Welcome to Fitz Dog Radio. Your intrepid host, Greg Fitzsimmons, returns from New England, home of the dying leaves. The leaves are dying on the trees because they know it's coming. They know that winter is coming, that the joy of the New England summer is over, that the carefree days walking barefoot in the Cape Cod sands and inhaling freshly cut grass while children sell lemonade and grown men fist fight over Red Sox scores. It's all behind you now, and only winter stands in front of you, and thus the leaves are hanging themselves. They're committing suicide on the branches of the trees in New England. I saw it. I was there all week. All goddamn week I was in New England. Had a blast, but I am exhausted. Damn it. That's not the normal kind of a stand-up run I do. I usually fly into one place. I spend three nights, same hotel, chill out, fly home. This was like I flew in, I drove, I golfed, I went to a Patriots game, I did shows all over New Hampshire, and oh my God, enough, enough of that. That's too much work. Thanks to everybody who came out, and thanks, uh, thanks to John Tobin. Thank you to uh, Rob Steen, who booked the gigs in New Hampshire, who's a character who books like 80 shows a week in New, ha- in New England and also manages to farm worms. How does he do it? I don't know, but he does it. He's a, he's a warrior. He's one of these guys. There's guys all over the country and women, mostly guys. No, actually, not mostly guys. I think there's probably as many women that do it. But they book comedy shows, and they, they are the lifeline because you've always, a lot of the clubs have gotten corporate. They're part of chains. There's tons of little good little indie clubs, but a lot of them are going the way of the chains. And uh, these guys book like one night shows at cinemas and theaters and and they kind of just they keep everybody working. And uh, Rob Steen's one of those guys. So shout out to him. Shout out to John Tobin, who uh, who owns Laugh Boston, took me to the Patriots game. I hung out with his his beautiful two sons they're total like fucking Boston kids, just like sports fanatics, good sense of humor. I wasn't sure. You never know when you meet somebody's teenage boys if you're allowed to curse or not. And then I learned very quickly, oh, no, that's fine. These kids, have uh, they, they grew up around stand-up comedy. So we went to the Patriots game. And uh, put it this way, here's how bad the loss was. By the halfway through the first quarter, they were losing so bad that they were already booing Mac Jones, the quarterback. And by the fourth quarter, the stands were 75% empty. And the announcer came on and he goes, now welcome onto the field, the New England Patriots cheerleaders. Boo! <laughs> they booed the cheerleaders. Even the gay guy. Even the fun gay guy. Here's the thing about the New England Patriots. They have... Male, they have a male. On, I think there's two cheerleading squads. They each have one male. And uh, these guys are so gay and they are living it. And it made me so jealous of the freedom that a human being can display. When you're talking, I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to paint Boston with a broad brush stroke here, but a uh, little homophobic, perhaps, maybe, 
till you get to Provincetown and it's all gay. But there's a reason why that's the tip of Massachusetts. It's the furthest you can get from the rest of Massachusetts without drowning in the Atlantic Ocean is Provincetown. It's where you run to. The tip. I didn't mean a tip like that. Anyway, what's wrong with you people? Anyway, so uh, they've got these gay cheerleaders and they come out and they and the guys have the pom-poms and they're doing the leg kicks and their leg kicks up even higher than the women's legs and they flip their wrists with the pom-poms even harder and sassier than the women do. And I said, you go, girl. You go, because they were better. Look, I don't want to make it a better or worse thing between men and women, but guess what, ladies? These guys are kicking your asses because they are so much more excited to be dancing in <laughs> fucking 60,000 homophobes and letting their freak flag fly, baby. They are shaking their hips and they are spinning and they are smiling and they are gay, baby. It made me really feel like, wow, that must be such a, a freedom to be gay and to own it. The bravery that that takes and the, the self-acceptance that that takes. I thought it was kind of beautiful. I know this sounds like I'm kidding around, but I'm really not. It made me think about these guys like, uh, you know, they, they're, they're breaking down walls. I mean, a male cheerleader is crazy in Massachusetts. So anyway, that was fun. Uh, but the, the fans were out of control. We had these, these guys sitting next to us who were, um, it was a guy with his three sons and his wife, and he paid his seven-year-old son to take his shirt off and run up and down the stairs. He gave him 100 bucks. It was weird. And then the guy was walking past uh, us, and he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know which way to stand. Should I put my butt uh, in front of your face or I don't want to go tip to tip? And it's like, these are, these are my, my friend's sons are sitting here. They don't need to hear this shit. Why don't you go get, get in the cheerleading squad, weirdo? And so uh, we finished the game, watched the game. They got destroyed and then went across the street to a club in Patriot Place called the Comedy Scene, which is a very nice club, and did a show for the people, for the drunken people who had just lost 34-0. They were not happy. They were ready to laugh. It was kind of, it was kind of fun. And uh, so I had friends from college come out all weekend at these different gigs all over New England. A bunch of BU friends came out that I hadn't seen in a while. And uh, it was great. It was great. Um I saw Steve Steve Bjork, who's an old friend, comedian, and uh, he was reminding me about, we started together in Boston, and he reminded me about one night we were uh, coming back from Western Mass, and we stopped in a rest stop area, and I could have sworn this happened with Bill Burr. I always thought this was a Bill Burr story with me, but it was actually a Steve Bjork story. And I remember uh, there was um, there was like these teenagers that kind of gave us some lip or something in the parking lot. And so I started chasing them in the snow with my car. And I was chasing after them and they were screaming. And then they started serpentining. 
so that I couldn't hit them. They serpentined in the snow and we fucking giggled. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that was you. That was Steve Bjork. Good comic. So funny. Uh, Good dude. Lives in New Hampshire now. And uh, the other comic on the show was an older dude who uh, fell asleep. He'd introduce us and then he would sit in the back row and fall asleep. And I think his heart is he's no longer in the game. He's showing up for work, but there's no there's no sparkle. The uh the something's off the rose. The what is off the rose? I don't know. Anyway, all right, let's get to it. I don't want to talk too much because I look, I got a head cold. I hope I don't have goddamn COVID. My wife's got COVID, I found out when I went away. So I tested twice while I was gone. I don't have it. But I think I have allergies to this dog that my daughter has rescued against our will. And uh, I'm allergic to dogs. So I'm all stuffed up again now that I'm home. We got to get rid of this. Anybody want a dog who lives on the west side of L.A.? Very, very great terrier. He's a little, cute 12-year-old terrier. Extremely well-behaved. Doesn't go in the house. Doesn't bark a lot. Uh, Affectionate, but not needy. Good dog. Let me know if you want a dog. His name is Max, and we will give him to you. All right. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, all right. What else? Uh, I wanted to talk more, but I'm just, I'm just so out of it. I'm so jet-lagged and exhausted. I can't even express myself. I will be in Sacramento this weekend. Don't forget to come out to that show at the Punchline. Um, what does this say? Oh, this says some, some overheards. Okay, this is good. Guy named Clark said, it takes place in the pro shop of a golf course north of Alberta. Chatting with this younger employee about the frost delay, he was letting me know which order we would go out in once the frost was lifted. A 70-year-old white dude overheard the conversation and the following interaction goes down in front of me. Old dude says... The Orientals are going out first. Matt says, the what? The old dude goes, the, um, the, uh, a, the, the uh, husband and wife duo are going out first. Matt says, the Kims? Yeah, they're up first. Mr. Kim plays fast. Old dude goes, oh, yeah, he's, he's good. So here's the thing you got to know about stereotypes is that Asian people love golf. I don't think that's a stereotype. I mean, I think you can look at the sales of sports equipment and golf courses. Asian people love golf. Uh, They are also known to not be the fastest players on the course. Uh, They take it very seriously. There's a lot of practice swings. There's a lot of lining up putts. There's a general lack of hustle with with your standard Asian player. Now, is that is that racist? I'm just telling you what the stereotype is. I'm not saying I'm not saying it. It's not what I've seen. I'm saying I've heard people say that. So don't fucking say anything to me. I already did an overheard where the guy said Oriental. So maybe I shouldn't have read this as the uh, as the uh, maybe I shouldn't be talking more about it. Anyway, this this one comes from uh, uh, Eric Lundy. Overheard in my second grade classroom while students were working on their spelling. Quote, 
My aunt knows she's a tattoo artist. Huh. He doesn't really know what that meant, but uh, what does her, what does the aunt know because she's a tattoo artist? Maybe how to use an EpiPen? How to accept payment in Bitcoin or some other offshore exchange? How to initiate a restraining order for on behalf of a client? Are these all old tropes about tattoo artists, people? I don't know. It seems like everybody's getting tattoos these days. Will it last? Will this like normalcy about getting tattoos all over your body continue? Or will it be something that in 30 years you're going to be seen with a bunch of tattoos and people will be like, oh, wow, you bought into that craze in the 2020s? I mean, my daughter's friends have tattoos on their hands and necks. It's crazy. Fucking slow it down, people. Um, okay. Again, Sacramento Punchline, October 12th through the 14th. Arlington, outside of D.C., I will be at the Draft House, October 20th and 21st. Baltimore, Magoobies, October 22nd. Uh, also coming this next month to uh, Houston, Bakersfield, Austin, I will be at the Mothership, November 17th through 19th. San Francisco Punchline, Fort Worth, Hyenas, Atlanta Punchline, all coming up. Tickets at FitzDog.com. Come on out and say hello. Love to see you. Enjoy some live comedy. And also remember that this podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is a, is a, it's a, it's a place where you go to feel better about yourself. Do you ever feel like... Maybe your brain is getting in the way of you achieving certain things. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you start to realize through good therapy, and I did uh, cognitive behavioral therapy with BetterHelp. I, was, I, I did it for uh, about two years during the pandemic. I talked to somebody from BetterHelp every week. And you basically learn that your thoughts are not your reality, that your thoughts are feelings, and they're to be challenged. And you have to start to find out that you can accomplish things you didn't think you could because you're talking yourself out of those things in, 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 and it's not in a cold, rational way. So, so you, you, I, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's a way of, first of all, you don't have to leave the house. Second of all, if you don't like your therapist, you can switch to another one like that that same week. It's way cheaper than in-person therapy. And, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a way of investing in yourself. The money you put into yourself, which is not a lot with BetterHelp, you will get back tenfold. So, um, you know, do it. I don't know what else to say. I can't. I, I can't. I can't endorse therapy more, and I can't endorse a better way of getting therapy than with BetterHelp. Um, you fill out a questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and. Uh, and they, they find out exactly what it is you need, and they find somebody with that expertise. So make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FitzDog today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash FitzDog. Also, don't get stressed out and crazy about buying tickets to stuff whether it's music, theater, comedy, sports. BetterHelp is the way to get your tickets. Don't stress. Wait. 
Keep an eye on things. Tickets tend to go down, and, and game time is a way of cashing in on these dips. They have these uh, flash deals and uh, zone deals. They have all kinds of last-minute ways to, to get tickets. Take a look at what the view is from those seats from the app. The app is a piece of cake, couple taps. You download it right to your phone. You don't have to print anything. You don't have to transfer anything. It's real easy. Um, there's a guarantee where if you find uh, uh, tickets in the same section in a row for less, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. Um, I am looking at tickets right now. We're going to see Jason Isbell in Nashville uh, coming up, and I'm tracking the tickets. They're coming down. They've gone down almost every day for the last five days, so I'm I'm not pulling the trigger yet. I'm going to keep watching it. Um, and then uh, what else? Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code FITSDOG for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code F-I-T-Z-D-O-G for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Okay. Oh, I, I forgot to mention, by the way, uh, the movie that I did with Doug Stanhope came out this past week, and it's getting amazing reviews. Chicago Tribune uh, uh, gave it a, a – I, I should have I pasted it so I could read it. They gave it an amazing review. Uh, it's won awards in some festivals. It's called The Road Dog, and it's a, you can find it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube Movies. It came out October 6th. It's doing great. Doug Stanhope is amazing in it. Highly encourage you to check it out. Let me know what you think. And um, and let's sell out Sacramento this weekend, people. Get your tickets for Sacramento. Um, all right. Last thing to tell you is that my guest today is Sam J. If you don't know her work, she's a powerhouse. She's a real voice. Um, I compared her in the interview to... Uh, Patrice O'Neill, which I feel like maybe wasn't a good thing to do because I think she's maybe heard that too many times, but I meant it as the highest praise. She's uh, She's got a new special out called Salute Me or Shoot Me. It's on HBO Max. She had a movie come out last year. She did with Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill called You People. She wrote it. She was the first black lesbian writer on Saturday Night Live. She had a show called Pause with Sam J on HBO and she's just fantastic. I had such a great time talking to her. I, I think we're friends now. Sometimes I do an interview with people and I feel like, all right, that was good. I enjoyed talking to them. And then other times I go like, oh, I want to be in that person's life. I like this person. I like their essence. I like their vibe. Sam J was one of those people. So sit back and enjoy the chat we had last week. Here is the great Sam J. Uh, hey, it's Fitzdog sitting here with the one and only Sam <laughs> J coming to the afternoon here at the Comedy Store. We're in the uh, VIP room where there's been a lot of good times, big names, good laughs. How are you, Sam? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Looking good, so you're gay and you're black. How's that going? <laughs> I don't do this all the time. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> 
I mean, you're checking all the boxes. That's got to be pretty good in show business right now, huh? Gay and black. <laughs> Took a lot of Adderall this morning, feeling good. So Sam J is my guest. She was very <laughs> concerned because her publicist told her that she was going to come do a podcast with a guy named Fitzdog. And she said, what a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, this is going to fucking suck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I'm we, glad that's not what happened. I know, but we haven't actually spent much time together in our no, lives. No, no, we've had our in passings. Yeah, just some passings backstage, mm -hmm. and uh, I've always gotten a big kick out of sitting in the back and watching you. Because oh, you. you find it, you just go up on stage, <laughs> you start somewhere, you're not really sure where it's going to go, nope. and you find it a couple times. You get lost, you yep. find your way back. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's that's great. The, that's my process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How much do you um, plan out a joke before you do it the first time? Not a lot. I mean, I, you know, it's really luck of the draw. Sometimes I just have like a premise, and I'm like, I know there's funny stuff in there. I just gotta like talk through it. Yeah. Sometimes the joke, the full joke, comes to me. You know, right. like the whole setup is just there. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is this is like fully formed. You uh -huh. know what I mean? But I, not, I don't I don't ever really know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, especially when you do a special, if you beat it out too many times yeah. and then you go up there, yeah. it feels kind of flat. You'll hate it. Yeah, yeah you're sick then, of it. And they'll tell, they can tell you'll hate, you yeah. hate it and it'll all fall apart. Right. Yeah, you have to like, I like to, especially like the last couple of months leading up to it, I, I really don't hone in on an order until late right because i have to keep it interesting for myself right and then once even i have the order like the last few months i'll still like disrupt the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. right like, i'll blow Shake it, all it up. up yeah 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 because i just don't want to be bored and you and you find new things too. right new ways in new ways out you know what i mean yeah because it just if it if you let it get boring for you, you you deliver it like it's boring sometimes i take a bit that i've been doing for a long time and i do the premise and then I don't do the way I had it. Mm. I go in another direction. Yep. I see if I, because, yep. you know, sometimes it takes, it, ta it can take a year to get a joke right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can, you can find something and go, I know there's something here. Yeah. And then you kind of sometimes just like let it simmer. Yeah. You know, like it's in the back of your head and every once in a while you bring it to the front and right. you're like, oh no, it's still not there. Right. And then kind of move it again. And yeah. 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 I, I feel like, um, it's weird because when I'm doing it, the most important thing to me, which is very selfish, is that I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even before I'm like thinking about does the audience right, like right, it, right. I'm like, am I liking this? And I just, I've never been good with structure, so a big part for me is just making sure I'm being disruptive enough. And then like that last like two, three weeks, I'm like, be fucking serious. Right. You know, like, lock it down. Lock it down, hone it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. But your, your special that just came out, I think this week, right? <coughs> came out on the 23rd. 23rd. So it'll be two weeks Saturday. But um, it, it's great because it feels fresh, as you're saying it, but you, you have a confidence that not a lot of people have. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot of times, but my dear friend, Patrice O'Neill, his spirit is alive in you. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I was looking you up and you, you're from the same part of Boston as yeah, you Yeah, I'm from Dorchester. And he oh, was Roxbury, right? Right, I, I don't know. I think Roxbury, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'd have been Mattapan or Roxbury. Yeah, I feel like maybe. Do I judge? I would have that spot. My brother, they went to high school together. Um, yeah, I have heard that a lot. It's weird. The Because, one, I think Patrice is very funny, but I wasn't super privy to, like, his stand-up. Yeah. Like, I knew Patrice from, like, Best Week Ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I tough mean? Tough crowd. Like, tough crowd. And then... I watched Elephant in the Room, but this is like one, I had just started comedy. Yeah. I feel like when Elephant in the Room came out. And I was like, man, this motherfucker's fucking hilarious. And and then all the comparisons, like very early, like very, oh, no shit. Really? very early. Okay. Like dick, damn near as soon as I started, mm-hmm. which was frustrating for me. I'm not saying it as a brag. It was frustrating for me because I was trying to figure my thing out. Right. And then everyone kept telling me I sound like this, guy's thing and like also he's like has passed away and he's like the goat of comedy Uh and everybody's brain and i'm like i don't need this whatever this is yeah i just want to be out here like in my little corner you know like when you first get it you're kind of like a golem with it you're just like i'm just in my little corner like tooling away at my my little thing you know Mm -hmm. and um so I, then I just avoided all things Patrice. I was you like, did. I just don't want to listen to this guy. I right. just don't want to hear it because if it's already sounding so similar and I'm not even that versed, right, right. I don't want to get entrenched in it and then it's yeah. like damn near mimicking. You yeah, know? I right. don't know why. I was just terrified of that for some reason. Right. And so I didn't, I like, but it's, it's weird because I want to. <laughs> now it just feels yeah. weird. I think it's almost like how you can feel about a parent in a way, you know, like, uh, I get compared to my dad. My dad was in radio. Oh yeah. His whole life. And so I would get compared to my father coming up and I fucking hated it. I didn't want to be seen as another version of somebody else. Yeah. And then he died and I've gone over, he's got all these tapes that I found of him on the radio for years. And I sit in my office and I just listen to them. Yeah. And I think, God damn, I'm so proud to be like him. That's you cool. Know? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is that though. It's, that's like what you're saying. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I've never been able to describe it. I think I was so like, I'm an original. Right. And then people were like, no, you ain't. And I was like, right. fuck that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to be compared to somebody, but, um, and also someone so great. Yeah. Yeah. Someone so really good at right, it. Right. Right. But I think ultimately what the comparison comes down to is, um, somebody who has absolutely found their voice and doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> you really don't, and he and I think that is probably the, at the at the core of the comparison. Well, that's nice. More than you know, yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's talk about the special. Let's talk. Where'd about you shoot it? Look good. I shot it in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Steel. Uh-huh. Thank you. I really care how specials look. So yeah, that means a lot to me. No, that background was kind of like a blue gray with like. Uh, it had texture, and then two of your cameras were moving. Yeah, one looked like a jib that was uh-huh. kind of moving a lot uh-huh. on the left, and then the other one was kind of coming back and uh-huh. forth. And uh-huh. that nice tight shot of one, like it just it looked amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I really like. I'm a nerd for this shit, so yeah. I really dig in with specials, and I'm really mm-hmm. like, what, what is it gonna look like, and how's it gonna feel, and like right. all that kind of stuff. It's super important to me. So I, I always appreciate when people notice that, like, oh, it looks fucking fire. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And you're not into the crowd shots. I noticed that. I'm not really too into them. Yeah. I always felt like, even from, like, three in the morning, there's not really a lot of crowd shots. There's a lot of behind people shots. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
I had a I had a camera like in the crowd. Right. But I don't I've always felt like those crowd shots were like the comedian trying to justify their presence. Right. I just didn't like that. It's like right. you should laugh. Look at them. Look at how many of them came. Right. They like right. me. So you at home you should also prove it just felt like this weird right. trying to justify it. It's like and, when a comedian laughs at their own joke too yeah. much. Yeah. And then also I feel like it for the viewer, you're immediately removing them from the experience because you're immediately letting them know they were they weren't there. Right. Right. You, when you do those wide sweeping, you know, you're immediately pulling them out of it and going like you're separate from what happened. Right. And I try to make it feel as immersive as possible. You want so, it to feel like they're watching yeah, the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know your, your editor, you probably drove your editor crazy because they love a crowd shot. Yeah. yeah. It lets them lets them cut. Yeah. 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 But he was really good at finding ways. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was I think most times editors, all these like kind of people who come together to really put your thing together. Yeah. It's like they'll they'll take they'll do the package. They're at work. Right. Yeah. So they can just offer you up the rigmarole and do what they do, make their life easier. Cool. But I think they're all also creatives. So if you go like, nah, let's try to fucking get funky, yeah. they get excited. Yeah, right. You know what right, I mean? And they're sure. like, oh, well, maybe I can do that. Well, yeah. maybe they, and they get into it and then they start to offer up their own stuff because uh -huh. they're like in the creative process with yeah, you. Yeah, right. And I really try to invite those people in. Sure. Like, let's all get together and make yeah. something dope. Yeah, the lighting person, what can we yeah. do to make this look a little bit different? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, all and, that. Yeah. Exactly, I get into all that. How can we light this different? How can we, you know, the, the set design, like, yeah. can we make the floor, like, I wanted it to feel like I was outside, like on a stoop, like a uh -huh. town, like a yeah. town hallish kind of Black Panther party right, meeting, right. gathering. We've all come together to hear some real shit uh -huh. was kind of the vibe. Yeah. And I was like, can we make this floor look like concrete? And she was like, yeah, yo, you yeah. know what? I found this thing. Like, you know, they just get, they get fucking into yeah. it. Yeah. So who is your director? Her name is Linda. I want to say Mendoza. Or but I feel like that's racist. Cause she's, I'm going to look. I think she, I saw her name. She did Wanda Sykes special as well. Okay. I think she might've done, I wrote on that show Crashing. I think she directed one of the episodes She probably did. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm not wrong. It's Linda Mendoza. Mendoza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she was great. And it, it, so it was really like this combo effort because my good friend, Zach Fox, and my other good friend, John Solomon, who does a lot of uh, music videos, and Zach were, we, we, we were trying to have, I was trying to have them direct it, but there was an issue with the guild and John wasn't in the guild and Zach was in the guild and then I was making it all crazy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it was like fucking up the cost and yeah. it was like basically we've had to pay to put John in the guild sure. first right. and da, da, da. So they graciously were like, we still want to do this together, uh -huh. you know? And so they stepped back and took on the creative director role. Mm -hmm. And then Linda came in and she really acted like such a great mentor and, and ushering in the vision that we all kind of had for it. Right. And and adding her own, you know, you know, knowledge base and, and um technique to it. So I was just really happy about the collaborative nature of, of how that all came together. Yeah, I think that's important. Some people, uh, you know, they, they pick a director that's done a million specials and it's like, all right, go watch their specials. That's what yours is going to look like. You kind of want somebody with, a little bit with fresh eyes mm -hmm. that hasn't done a million of them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Wanda's are always really good. Yeah, I've kind of pulled in like the first one. I, it was a Chris Merck at the time was very new. The only other special we had done 
was that Hannibal Miami Night special. Right. And that hadn't even come out yet. So no one knew what it looked like. Yeah. And I met him at South By and I just liked him. Yeah. And I was thinking on those lines. I was like, I just don't want my special looking like everybody else's right. special. And again, if you if they if you take the package, they'll, they'll offer you up the package you take, you take it. You know, yeah. you get these deals with Netflix or whatever. They'll go, we got five people who do specials. You right. are one of these five people and you take mm. it and everybody's special is fucking blue and black and looks yeah. the fucking same. Right. And I just didn't want that. So I was mm. like, I'm going to find my own guy yeah. type of thing, you know? Yeah. And I kind of took the same approach with this one. I'm just right. like, how could I have it look different? Yeah. So, I mean, this question you must get all the time, but uh, your fiance, what's your fiance's name? Her name is Yanni. Yanis, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you must get this all the time, but I, I have to ask because you come out of the gates on your special just going after her, your relationship. It's not her, it's relationships yeah, and the right. nature of them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but she represents that. Yeah, but she's at the center of it for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it comes out like... The kind of love comes out through it because you can tell I love her to death. I think. Yeah, I think because you, it shows that you try. It's like you, you only roast the ones you love. You know, that's what they say on all the roasts. You only because well, you're only that observant of somebody. You right. Love. You're I, I observe her a lot. I pay attention uh -huh. a lot. Yeah. To her and what makes her tick and her little nuances and things. You only do that if yeah. you really love somebody. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I talk about my wife, but I've uh, I don't know. Like I've got this wife that. <laughs> Why are you saying it like you found her? <laughs> I found her. No, I feel like I found the pot of gold. I yeah. got so lucky. We've been together 24 years. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, I've never had a day. And everybody fantasizes about breaking up sometimes. And that's fine. Sometimes you need to f do that to find the depth of yeah. the relationship. Yeah. Sometimes you come back a lot stronger. Never once in my life have I thought about wanting to leave her and oh, all that stuff. Oh, you fucking pussy. I know. I know. I gotta grow a dick. Look around a little bit. There's some cocktail waitresses yeah, in Denver yeah, that yeah, looking, you know, just waiting for me. Or just like let it tap a chair or something. <laughs> tap a chair. Yeah. It'd have to be a stool, high back stool. Um so uh all right, so I wanted to ask you also about um Boston. Did you did you do much stand-up coming up? You you were already out of Boston before you started doing stand-up. No, I actually went back home to do stand-up. Oh, you did? Yeah. What I clubs were you working Atlanta, at? I was in Atlanta, and then when I moved back, and I started stand-up when I moved back. Yeah, because um, I'm a Boston comic. Oh, uh, now. Uh, it was around still. I Dick Doherty's was still around. No shit, the Comedy Vault? It was still around. Uh-huh. The um, Comedy Vault, just so people know, is the irony is... It's a bank. It used to be a bank. Mm -hmm. And you go into this bank, which used to hold millions of dollars, and you get paid nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you're not getting any fucking money. And God rest his soul, because I believe Dick passed away a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah, God, God rest his soul. But like, it was also just like this fucking crazy process. And it was like, why why like this like he was really acting like he was running the premier club yeah, of the yeah. city it right, was like right, right. you had to fucking jump through fucking hoops uh -huh. to get in this club yeah. and then like once you were in you're like what the fuck was yeah, all that exactly for? he called himself the godfather i mean that's where you know there's an issue yeah the godfather yeah yeah uh and so but did you did you hear the story about how his wife <laughs> Kathy kicked Steven right out. Did you ever hear that? What? Yeah, this is like Boston lore that like Steven Wright comes down. <laughs> 
And Kathy's like, you gotta pay. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest comic to ever walk in the room. And he's like, what? That's phenomenal. He's like, what? And she's like, you gotta pay. And he's like, I'm Stephen Ray. And she's like, I don't care who you are. You know, like his face is on the ball. You know that there's three comics under that beat. One of those faces is Stephen. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and then I heard like Dick had to yeah. run out and be like, no. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so that's just to paint a picture of what kind of fucking place this was. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It was uh Dick Dick, but the thing about Dick is like it's hard to get in, but once you do, it's like the first place you get to perform. It's the first place that pays you to open. Because they yeah. pay you ten dollars to open, yeah. And it's, for me, it was the first place I featured, but they paid me opener money to feature. Mm-hmm. And then when they had me headline, they paid me feature money <laughs> to headline. But I was learning how to do it. Yeah, I was learning how to cover forty five minutes. Those places, those places are necessary, right? You know what I mean? Because you're learning how to do the time, and you don't really quite have it yet, right? So as much as you're like, they're not paying me. It's like, man, you really deserve to get paid that much. Yeah, yeah, right. You're still fucking around, you know, yeah, and you yeah. don't really, you're not precise and like on it yet. And you need those type of places. And I think you need those type of gripes, you know? You need sure. To, you need to have those like little contentious moments within it, you uh-huh. know, to keep it like edgy and what it's supposed to be. The best is when you come home after a show and you're angry. Because mm-hmm. when you're angry, you do something about it. Yeah. Or, or you or you don't and you don't make it. Yeah. But the people that it go home angry and you write Yep. Or you or you make a list yep. of people you're going to call the next day. Yeah, yep, you do. You, yeah. That's not what you do. You, I'm going to get on these other mics because right. you're like pissed off for that's sure. That's right, right. Yeah. And uh, and there's that, you know, we've both seen a lot of comics in our lives that were super talented, great writers, interesting on stage. There's a bunch to play here. Yeah. Brody Stevens was one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. But Brody. they didn't have that thing where they knew how to navigate the waters of comedy, the business side of it a little bit, you know? And you come from a background. You actually were working as a producer, like music producer uh, before a comedy. Manager. So you kind of knew you, you knew how to handle yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I had seen a lot, like you know, doing music. And you know, this isn't like I'm working at Def Jam, but I was managing artists in Atlanta, and we had gotten some traction. And yeah. I had been in a lot of studios and uh-huh. radio stations, and of course, mixing with other people that were managing artists, and yeah, you know just producers all that stuff just in a world of creatives yeah. that was moving like a business right so yeah i learned a lot from that experience and i did definitely bring that over to this and apply it for sure and atlanta at that time musically was just blown Blowing up, up. Yeah, yeah it was crazy yeah did you ever meet ti yes good man yes yeah what about tiny have you met tiny no yeah, Mm-mm. i was a showrunner on her she had a talk show mm-hmm. i was a showrunner on it i kind of remember that i think it was called Tiny Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a round table talk show. And it was funny because they were all, it was a lot of egos. And the big thing was who could get to the set last. Mm. That was the headliner. So they'd all sit in their trailers. We had a union crew all set up. And then, I had, and then I had, you know who I had doing warm up? Leslie Jones. Oh, really? So she's out Is there. Is this getting shot in LA or Atlanta? Both. Okay. But mostly LA. And so they, uh, so she goes out there and yeah, she's got her towel and she does a half hour warm up and she's sweating and the crowd sucks. There are a bunch of mm-hmm. meth addicts you give 50 bucks to to sit in the crowd mm-hmm. and, uh, and she's dying up there and the women are in the trailers and there's 
there's just pot smoke coming out. They're drinking, uh, what do they call it? Scissorp, the, the codeine. <laughs> They're drinking those. And so a, an hour goes by, two hours goes by. Leslie's still out there. She's giving out candy. She's playing games. She's getting people no. dancing. And they finally like, you know, and this is a crew. This is a union crew. So finally they all, they all came out and Leslie goes, you got to get me some more money. I think she was getting a hundred bucks for the night. And then that's she got S N L about three weeks later. Oh wow! Well, that's what's up. <laughs> were you there at the same time as her? Yeah, we were there for like two years. Oh like really? Or something like that. That's cool. You guys Three? friends? Oh, I wouldn't say we're friends. No. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's the Fitz going. How come you guys aren't friends? <laughs> what's the deal here? Um, so, who are the people that you you became friends with from? Uh, well, I guess. Uh, uh, what's his name? Red. Yeah, we me and Chris were friends before. Chris, oh, you were friends before. Yeah, we were very good friends before. Oh no, shit. we were really close before. Yeah. Did he help you we get on? At, no, we got at the same time. You did. We did. That's pretty cool. We moved from LA at the same time. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So you got brought on as a writer, but did you have to perform to audition? I did. And they basically said you're ugly, so <laughs> we'll make you write. Oh shit. And then they hired Leslie. <laughs> and you you wrote? Did you get any uh, FaceTime at all? Yeah, I, got, I was yeah. on a couple of times, yeah. popping in things a couple of times. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is, it as, is it as stressful as people say it is? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It should be. You're making live TV every week. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how many people have written memoirs about it, isn't it? Yeah, I've never read any of them. See, well, the thing is, too, I was so fucking ignorant to it all. Yeah. Like, I must not, I know Saturday Night Live exists. There's been periods that I've watched the show, but I feel like the show is that type of show where, like, there's like an error, you'll watch it, then you'll stop for right, a while, right, right. then you'll come back to it, then yeah. you'll stop for a while. I wasn't like a diehard watching every week. Yeah. You know, I had like, I was, you know, I was, I dug in heavy, those Will Ferrell, uh, Molly Shannon. You know, any polar like I was in. You know, I loved those years, and yeah. I would tune in regularly. But still, I'm not like every week. I gotta be watching SNL mm-hmm. type of thing. I never like read any other books. I, yeah. I even as a comic, I never got like caught up into the lore and like knew. I didn't. I knew really like nothing. Yeah. And I also didn't ex- ever expect to be there. Right. That was not ever within what I saw for myself. Yeah. I thought I was too blue. Uh-huh. You know, I don't do sketch. I I don't even have a good attitude. I think like sketch is gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I don't see myself in this space. They're corny. It's corny. Sketches are corny. Yeah. And I don't see myself in this space at all. At least that's what I'm I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So when you wrote, I love calling things gay and being gay. Gay people get so upset when I do that. But it's, it's just so best. fun. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so so when you would write a sketch, did you feel like you were trying to challenge the status quo, or were you just saying, "I need to get some shit on the air to keep this job"? I no, I didn't feel like I needed to get something on the air to keep the job. I always wanted to just write the things I believe in. Right. I don't think it was even about challenging the status quo. Yeah. It was just like I'm gonna write things I believe in, right, you know what I mean? Right. Honestly, I was really excited to be different because I was like, I think people have this clear understanding, at least within comedy community, of what my stand-up voice is at right. this point. And I'm a little, you know, I am a little racially charged and I can be very uh, direct and, and a little bit of a bully up there. And I was like, oh, here's this 
opportunity to just be like goofy. Yeah. This yeah. thing is just dumb. Right, right. It doesn't mean anything. And that's what and at first when I got there, I think I struggled so much because I was trying to write to my comic voice. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is must be why they want me here. Right. And the shit just wasn't good. And when I stopped and I would just be like, fuck it, I'm just gonna write like silly shit that makes me laugh. Yeah. Those were sketches would like kill at the table. Yeah. And I really started to learn like, oh, my sketch voice is very different from the shit I do up there. Right. And how does that translate to your TV show that you did you did also with uh with uh Chris Red, right? And Jack Knight and Langston Kerman. Yeah. 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 Rest in peace. So that show we started yes, rest in peace. We started that just what I'm saying. But so that had, was silly. Very silly. Yes. And we had started writing that show before we both got SNL. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that was fun and silly. Yeah. And the best. It was the best. Thing. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. So many people really liked it. And yeah. It was good. Right. Right. I had Jack on before he died, and he did. Uh, he talked about it. He was he was gl- glowing about it. Yeah. It was really like this love child, and you know, it was four very funny very silly friends always trying to out funny each other yeah. and make each other laugh right. and like even filming it was just non-stop us uh-huh. being fucking ridiculous right and it was really 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 fun yeah and it was fun to go there and like do stupid stuff like the last episode where i'm in the dress in the african and all that and they're like you know sam are you gonna put this dress on i'm like i'll put the fucking dress on like i don't <laughs> I don't fucking care. But I don't, you know, it was because I was playing with my friends. You know what I mean? And it was like, mm. all right, man, this is what we need to like get this bit over yeah, the top. We're right. going to fucking do it, you know? And did you guys improv on the set? We did. We played yeah. around. We right. would play around. We would, let sets, we would let stuff go, you know? Yeah. We, we, were, we were doing it loose. Yeah, that's fun. And so do you, do you want to do that kind of scripted thing again? Or you want to do, because you did a talk show as well. I would do it. I like to do anything that's fun. Yeah. Like, you know, I, if it's the right people and it's the mm-hmm. right good time. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, see what, see what comes along because it is hard when you have one idea to keep trying to push it through Hollywood mm-hmm. as opposed to going, all right, if people, you know, like you said, people know your voice and if the right showrunner or network comes along and goes, that's what we want. Yeah. You're now you're not trying to get you're not trying to push something through a door. Right. They've invited you in the door. Yeah. And whatever their project is, they know that they're you know, you, you gotta do your 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 work. Yeah. Do your work, do your due diligence. But also right. look at every project, like you don't know what's gonna take. You don't know what people are gonna like. You don't you also just it's a fucking business. Yeah. You know? Every fucking year, these networks, they do an audit on themselves. They assess their budget. They assess what they spent. Yeah. They decide if what you did is worth spending money on. Right, you know, that's right. the bare bones of what's happening here. Uh-huh. And you don't know their feelings. You don't know that, you know, there, there might be a negative like, like, I see the potential in this and I love it. There might be one that's like, this is fucking weird, you know? Right. I was just talking to Pete um, Holmes and I was saying that about pause. Like, when, you know, people always like, oh, damn, that sucks that pause got canceled. It was so innovative and interesting and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I was making a very nuanced, weird thing, and I was asking someone to give me millions of dollars for it. Right. So I'm not upset if, you know, some white male executive 
watched a video of a bunch of women fucking fruit with strap-ons right. or a bunch of black men playing basketball ass naked yeah. with a hot dog mascot and was like, I don't get this. Right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Fair. Right, Fine. right, right. I know. <laughs> I'm just glad I got to do it, yeah. you know, and see it happen. Some of the greatest talk shows and sketch shows have gone off the air because people just didn't get like, yeah, I mean, there's a movie about uh, the Dana Carvey show. Yes. Did you see that? I love that show. That was fucking great. Yeah. I mean, you had Bob Odenkirk writing on it and um, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, and I don't think people realize, like, this is, if, like, thinking about the names you're naming. Yeah. So how long they've been in this business, and now you're finally seeing them on their, um, right. their, you know, their shows and their moments, right? So I don't think people realize, like, a lot of this shit is, like, I know this is a huge deal to you, and I don't mean it's like an asshole, but, like, to the average person I know, like, a TV show is a huge deal, and, but it's like, dude, I'm just trying shit. No, yeah. no bullshit. Right. I'm trying stuff out. Right. So, like, you're gonna see many iterations, because we're artists, until you get the, the you know what I mean, the, the thing. That's just how it is. And with everything I do, I learn something. Right. I add that to the fucking, you know, right. the toolbox. And and through it all, it's like we're always having fun, but it's just all like experimentation. Right. Like a lot of times on pause, we'll pitch these ideas out. Bum, 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 and then we'll turn them up to the network. And me and Jack were talking one day, and Zach and Langston, and we were like, dude, we have to stop putting these things on paper because they're giving us what we want. Because we would write some insane shit and then we'd get to set and it'd be like there and we'd be like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like the naked basketball, we're like, the niggas is gonna play basketball naked. Yeah. We're gonna have the hot dog glizzy, da 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 da. And then it's the day of, it's a day to shoot. Jack's like, Sam, let's go down to set. And we get there and there's just a bunch of naked black men yeah. with their dicks out, <laughs> with sweatbeds on their head, staring at us. And me, me and Jack are like, <laughs> What did we do? What did we do? What the fuck? And we literally like, give us a minute. And we like huddle up and we're like, hey man, we really got to make a plan for this now. Because these motherfuckers are here. I love it. I love, I wonder what the casting call was. Did they say, hey, do you mind whipping it out so we can see it? And it was like the crazy, like at one point, all these dudes are sitting on the bench, right? Yeah. Waiting to be subbed in balls out Damn. just sitting there yeah. and we're like setting up a shot right. and it's taking like 30, 40 minutes and I had to stop. I said, we have to let them wrap their body up. I yeah, said, this is crazy, yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Their dicks are out. Right. Like, and it's a cold studio. Yeah, this gotta, isn't like, fair to them. them. Like, this yeah. is crazy. And there was so many times that happened. Like, we would write something in the script being goofy yeah. and then like HBO would like produce the thing yeah. and we'd be like, oh, fuck. Well, yeah. We didn't think about how this would actually yeah. come off. Right, right, right. And so were they porn stars or were they actors that no, agreed to take their dicks out? Actors and basketball players. They were actual basketball Some players. Some of them like playing like basketball. Oh shit. Did you get a nice photo with everybody? No, I was uh, I felt it was so yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, like you see it on pause, but there it was so crazy because it starts and it's like Okay, they're playing like their ass naked. Yeah. It's like the point I wanted to make got made, but I didn't expect it to get made, you know? Yeah. Because at some point, they're, they're like hesitant and they're moving around each other because their whole dicks are out. Yeah. But it just turned into a basketball game. <laughs> 
At some point, they just became competitive men. Dudes were diving on the floor. No way. Dudes were standing over dudes' balls. Like, <laughs> like we were like, whoa. And running up the court yeah, and just flapping. Running hard. Damn. Just like, like crossing niggas like, oh, niggas like, like, yo, this is turning into a fucking game. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. I love it. Would you ever do nudity? If it made sense, I pulled my titties out and paused. You did? Yeah, well, season one, there's a titties out episode. Did they blur it? No, titties are out. Nice. Yeah, the whole episode was like about, you know, being caught. Basically, it was about how we allow ourselves to be trapped in boxes and everybody has a thing they want to push to, but you don't. And why, why do you allow society to da, 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 da. Right. And just like, what is, and then it was like, what is that thing for me? And I was like, I've always wanted to be one of those titties out studs. Like those guys uh-huh. that don't care about having their titties out. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so like, I can't be that. I can't just uh-huh. be coming around my homies with my titties out. But like my dream would be to like, be in a drop top, riding with my homie, with my titties out, yeah. listening to Wayne, just like <laughs> kicking it. And then at the end of the episode, me and Jack, uh, Jack's driving and I'm in a drop top beamer with him. And we're like, Riding around New York, and I got my titties out, nice. just like hanging out. No shit. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite moments because it was really actually like a true thing. And then yeah. I really got to do it with my best friend, and we were just like kicking it. And then, like at first he was like, "Sam, titties out." And then we were just like talking about shit and like. Did was it freeing for you? Did very it feel, freeing. It did. Wow. Very freeing. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know Tig Nataro. Yeah. She did an HBO special, and she had had breast cancer mm-hmm. and a mastectomy. And she came out, I saw that one. took her shirt off, totally topless, and did the whole fucking set like that. I was like, all right, everybody was saying, should I put a house plant in the background of my special? <laughs> I don't know. Should I like have a silhouette of a cross? And she's got her fucking mastectomy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, maybe if you start there, the rest of your set has to be, you're going to find the vulnerable moments right. in the rest of it. Right. I mean, I think for me, it would be barefoot. Barefoot? I hate my feet. Your feet are like ugly? No, I just... Let me see them. They're not you horrible. You you were going to have to pull them out once you said that, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't ask you to pull your tits out, so... I could just show you the video. Kind of unfair. <laughs> They're not bad. They're kind of pale. They're not bad feet. Yeah. All right, I'll hold them up for the camera. Yeah, you should... Nah, you shouldn't feel bad about it. I thought you right. was going to have some shit going on. Oh, you there. know who's got the bad feet? Yeah, you don't got to like smack your sock <laughs> in my face, but... <laughs> the ultimates in the middle east that would be war you pull a pistol out if a man snapped a sock at you um uh nikki glazer's got bad feet oh the feet bad she did a she had a sketch show where she talked about her feet and she pulled them out and they're they're like oh, they're crazy, crazy. yeah and she's a beautiful woman put them feet but the feet i gotta give you something that's true mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And, and it changes when I, was, when I was a kid, it was that I was skinny, and then it was that I was bald, and now that it's I get when wrinkles. Did you go bald? How old were you? Twenty-eight. Oh, it came early on you. It yeah. Came down on you. You ranked down on that ass. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it's not the only time it came early. <laughs> and then I got an I got a, an offer to do a Rogaine commercial when I was twenty-nine, and I did, and I was in denial. So my agent calls and goes, "Hey, you got an offer to do a Rogaine commercial?" I go, "But my hair's not falling out." There was a long pause, and he goes. Okay, it shoots next week. <laughs> and so my, my tagline was, I hold up the, uh, the bottle of, uh, of Rogaine, and I look at the thing, and I go, four out of five, I like my chances. Oh, so did it, you get it? 
I, no, it was an offer. I didn't oh. have to audition. So it was a series of five, five did you ads. Do it? I did it. My agent goes, don't worry about it. They're Wait, gonna... so you, that's how bold you were going? That you got an I offer. had the crown. I had the crown. It was like, we don't even need to audition this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting offer a weight. only. Yeah, it's like getting a Weight Watcher and you're like, what? I thought I was. And so, uh, and my agent goes, don't worry about it because it's, it's going to show like on ESPN 7 at 3 in the morning. Nobody's going to see it. I go, all right, great. March Madness happens. I'm on every game of March Madness. I'm walking down the street. Guys are going, hey, four out of five. I like my chances. <laughs> All my friends are calling me, busting my balls. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the Yeah, it's on the internet. Yeah, you can find it. Are your tits on the internet? Yeah, you can find them. All right. Fair. What was your other things? You had your, what, was, what did God give you or didn't give you? Oh. <sighs> Damn, that's tough. You know, like when I was a girly girl, I just never, I was like, I'm never gonna be like, I don't know how to do sexy. Yeah. Whatever that was to like, like, mm -hmm. I don't, I. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. It wasn't there. So I always felt like, cause I thought that's why I was gonna be forever was like dating men. I was like, yeah, that's just where I'm inept. Yeah. Like I don't have like sexy. Right, right. Like, I didn't feel like I was ugly. I just didn't have the the the, the right the thing. Right. No, because you're pretty. The thing. I didn't yeah. have whatever that thing was. You needed to like. Right. Right. Do it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, do that. I know. It's like some women have the walk, and you're like, did she practice that? Because yeah. every step is just a it's little. Just like, it's just like gyration. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the and the and the shoulders are back. Man, look how you're getting lost in it. Yeah, just, just yeah. Thinking about it. I mean, I think about like mm -hmm. what it would be like to be a woman, and sometimes I think like. Like when I was a kid, I used to put on my mom's shoes and I'd walk around like a woman. Oh yeah. And I'm not gay, but I feel like and I feel like this sure that, that, that energy's in there. <laughs> it's definitely in there. And I think you, I think that it, Eddie Izzard has it figured out because, well, now it's now it's Susie Izzard. He uh, mm -hmm. transitioned. She mm -hmm. transitioned. But, but she doesn't care about pronouns or if you call her Susie or Eddie. She, you know what? I love that type of evolved shit. Yeah. To me, that's like the evolved shit. It's like. When when we learn to just be cool with all of ourselves, yeah. Like I love seeing people that fully actualize and go like, "That was a version of me. This is a new right. version of me. I'm cool with every version of me. Right. I'm cool with every part of who I've been, where I've been, and where I'm going." Yeah. And that to me, that's when you're really like shoving, uh, can like you know shoving it in the face of convention and shit. Right. That's when you're really doing it. When you're like. You you don't get to do, define this at all. Mm -hmm. I define this at all times, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's when I'm like, that's when you're fucking doing it. Like, I love when I meet, like, um, androgynous people or, mm -hmm. like, like, I met this, um, this what I, I thought was a trans woman. And then when um, she introduced herself to me, she was like, my name's Robert Garcia. And it was like she was fully, but like makeup, the whole thing, yeah. Titties, but was right. like, my name's Robert Garcia. Okay, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, you playing the game different? You know what I'm saying? Throw another letter. Yeah, you gotta throw you, another letter. You doing some other shit? <laughs> yeah, right. And then she was like, and my pronouns are he, she, and whatever the fuck. You know, I mm -hmm. won't. And I was like, 
Oh, it was like, you know, it was like seeing a Tesla park itself for the first time. It was like, go, <laughs> go fucking crazy. Yeah, right. No, and it's, it's so crazy. There's so much opposition to it because it's a celebration. This is a time we should be celebrating yeah. about people feeling like they can honor whatever's inside whatever of them. Whatever they want. Let, let their freak flag fly. And, you know. And that was the name of the episode. Oh, was it? Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I pull my titties out. It's yeah. Called, oh, let that's the great. Freak flag fly. Yeah. And it's all about this kind of shit. And, like, but it's beautiful. It's about love and self acceptance. Yes. And, and, like, I, when you said put it in people's faces, like, I kind of wondered what you meant by that because like in one sense, it's completely internal. It's about tapping into your true feelings and how you want to express yourself. And then an effect of that is that it's in somebody's face. Like what percentage of you feels like, like in your special, you talk about, you said, I hate being a man. What, what percentage of you is saying that because you want to say it, it's, it's proclaiming who you are. And then how much is going like, I'm going to fuck with you a little bit. No, it, it's that part of it. It's fully. I feel like I am now grown. Like I got a girl. I pay. I, I pay the bills. Yeah. I take care of somebody. I got a cat. I got a brownstone. Take stone. out the garbage. I'm fucking taking out the trash. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. You know, like it's yeah. the truth of it right. is like. I finally realized what my brothers were like trying to communicate, what my father was trying to communicate of like, there is this load that you gotta carry that you don't get to talk about, that you don't get to discuss. Uh And like being a man is you just pick it up and you fucking do it and you figure it out. Mm -hmm. And nobody really cares how you figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. I was just talking to one of my own female friends and she was like, yo, I never thought about that, but you're right. I said you don't honestly care how it gets figured out. Yeah. You expect the man, your boyfriend, your husband to just go figure it out. Right. And if he really does come to you whining, which is how you'd perceive it mm-hmm. going like, I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where I'm going to figure it. A part of you would be so fucking annoyed. Yeah. And so like, Nigga, that's not my job. You right, know, you go right, do right, your right. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like a big part of like, like accepting that. Yeah. Because I think for so for a while, and I think like any maturation, you start with like I can resist this some kind of way. Right. And I'm like sitting my girl down, and I'm having these conversations, and I'm like, and at some point I was like, Nah, man, this is just your job. Yeah. I don't. You can do thirty of these conversations. She's gonna go like, Yeah, she gets right, it. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, a part of your job is just pushing through, getting it done. <laughs> results. It's about results, <laughs> it's not process. About results. Well, how does that affect then men and women in the workplace in terms of if I'm gonna hire somebody as a as a project manager, as a showrunner, or whatever? How does that mentality affect who you choose? Well, I think I think work mentality and relationship mentality are two different things as well. Right, okay. You know what I mean? I, I feel like women in the workplace have that same capacity. There's some women who have that same capacity. We're like, I'm just going to fucking hone in, mm-hmm. get this done. There's some don't. And there's some men who have that capacity and some who do not. Right, you know? right. So I think that is, it's a little different to me anyway. Yeah, I think, two different worlds. Yeah, two different worlds. And I think in a relationship where y'all both start to become dependent on each other for different things mm-hmm. and people are fulfilling roles, you know, yeah. however that pans out in your your space, right. there is some expectation of like, 
you're here to alleviate this and mm -hmm. I'm here to alleviate this. Right. And you just got to go like do your thing, mm -hmm. handle your business. Well, that's a, that's the definition of a good relationship. And you've been, you've been together on and off for 15 years and it's almost like I may like this person. I like how they look, how they smell. I think they're funny, but ultimately I have needs and I have shortcomings. And how does the yep. puzzle piece fit together? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can fall in love with somebody but not be compatible with them. Yes. 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 And you can be compatible with someone and not in love with them. That's true too. Sometimes marriage turns into a friendship. Yep. And that's nothing wrong with that. No. Fuck, if you can be partners. My my wife's mother has been with the same guy for 30 years. I don't want to comment on their sex life, but I don't think there has been one for 20 years. Damn. I think that, yeah. but they go out to dinner every night. They live next, they live in apartments next door to each other in Manhattan. And they chilling. And they're chilling. And he helps her with shit. I she believe, helps him I with stuff. It's like however it works for you. Right. Right. Relationships are different for everybody and everybody has different needs. Mm. Everybody really has different needs. Everyone doesn't need like some people don't really want to fuck like that. They don't need to fuck like that. that yeah. Is, it really don't matter to them. Right. Like not in no like they ugly and they can't and they chose to turn like it just truly however they rooted in life. Yeah. It was not a thing that was a priority. Right. So they cool like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it really is to me whatever you want. I was I just we, just, we just gotta let, we gotta make room for people to be themselves. Bro. Yeah, right. What's all the pushback? What is this fight to go make America great again? When was America great or, or greater than now? I mean, I, I think that there's been progress on a lot of levels in this country. Well, you know, the great they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Reconstruction. They just, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they want, they want it, they want it easy again, baby. Right, right. And I, uh, you can't blame them. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's good times. You can't, absolutely, for them. Yeah. And you can't blame them. You can question the morality of that, of wanting your good time back so bad you'd be willing to do all these other immoral things to get it. You right, know? right. You can question the morality, but the, the gut of, I used to be able to kind of do whatever the fuck I want, and now people are setting parameters of the human decency for yeah, me right and i'm resisting that right. i get it of course it's the most it. natural thing in the world resisting it. change yeah. yeah i usually you know i had that old ass uh that i don't know if you've heard my madman joke but it's essentially that oh yeah it's me talking about like white men always talking about they're losing the country uh -huh. and i'm like what are they losing like what the fuck did they lose and then i'm like i watched like eight uh, three seasons of Mad Men, and I'm like, they lost every fucking yeah, thing. everything. They lost the whole gig. Yeah, it the was three great. martini lunch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, coming home to yeah. a wife that puts makeup on before you get home, yeah. and the dinner's waiting. Yeah, and knows you cheated. Oh yeah, and just feeds you, and knows not to talk to you yep. about it. Presents the kids yeah. for about 20 minutes. You say Bro, hello, and then they get them the fuck out of there. And call your mistress and right. go fuck. Right. You get drunk, coming yeah. late. Go to a job that you don't really qualify for, yeah. but you just chums with the chums. <laughs> you have good conversations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know. My dad used to, I told you he was in radio, so he worked four hours a day. He worked 11 to 3. Mm. I mean, pick a better fucking schedule. So he went out all night drinking. He'd, he'd be at... Ritazzi's uptown, he'd go down to the village, he, you know, he'd just bounce all around, and then he'd come stumbling home at three in the morning, get up at 
you know, nine for his show. Yeah. And then afterwards, he'd go to the Friars Club in New York. And if you hang out with the boys. And if you ever have the man, like, get out here, right? Really support a family. Get out here, man. You kind of get it. You yeah. Know? Like, I cheated before and I made the joke. I was like, I just. Why can't it just go back to the time where you you know you cheat yeah. and she finds out and she just makes your sandwich different? It's not. <laughs> Why'd you put cheese in my sandwich? And now sandwich? you know. She yeah. lets you know. I know. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, all right, all right. Yeah. I got caught. I gotta fucking yeah. get my life to get my act yeah. together. This sandwich isn't as tasty as it once yeah. was. <laughs> I want the sandwich back. <laughs> I want the sandwich. Yeah, I want the back sandwich more than the pussy. But you do though. Yeah. That you do like essentially. That's what my girl, that's the thing that got me to change. It wasn't her like berating me and yeah. telling me like I'm a terrible person. It was when she wasn't loving me the same. Right, right. And I was like, oh, that's she right. don't, she don't right. love me. Like she's, yeah. I fucked up. Yeah. And you want that love back. You're like, nah. That love is the most precious thing I in the world. I gotta get that love back. Yep. You know yep. what I'm saying? When I really felt it, when mm-hmm. I really started to feel like, oh, she don't, she don't care like she used to care. Bro. Yeah. Well, it goes down to she's wondering why you're cheating, you yeah. know, like, what am I not giving? And then her self-esteem takes a right, hit. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and, and how can she love feelings. you when her self-esteem goes down? But that's what hurts your feelings. Like, uh, from a masculine space, what hurts your feelings is she's not loving you the same. That's mm-hmm. what hurt me. Yeah. Like, I'd be mad, all this stuff, or being, you know, I was like, whatever, she will move past that stuff. She, mm-hmm. All right, we'll get over that. Yeah. But when it was really like, damn, she don't. She don't give a fuck no more. Yeah, no, all right. Well, at least not the, not the same. I I'm like, damn, you ain't cooked in three days. Find yeah. something. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh no, that's how she shows me she loves. She makes sure I, I eat. Yeah. She makes and then it's like, damn, I, I fucked up. I gotta I gotta fix this. Right. <laughs> I gotta fix this. Yeah. And there's something about cheating. It just seems like a lot of fucking work. You got to have a second phone. Well, you know, you, you get perfume on you. You got to worry about smelling it, like somebody. I don't know why I was talking. I, I was talking about this with Pete. Now I'm talking about this with you. But um, yeah, it is fucking like I was thinking about it. Recently I was talking to my homeboys because I really I, I do not cheat anymore. Like I will never cheat again. Yeah, I will never cheat. It's right. just not worth any of it. Uh-huh. And to the point where I'm like super like there was a time I would have said that and I wouldn't have been sure. Right. I would have wanted it to be true. Yeah. But I would be like, I don't know if it's true. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But like, I have this new, it's so true that like, fine, fine women have literally been like, can I have your number? And I'd be like, no, I do mm-hmm. not do that. I have a fiance. I don't exchange numbers with people. No offense to you. Yeah. But like, just did it last night. And by the way, you might've heard me talking about her for the last hour on stage. Yeah. Right. Just did it last night. Yeah. Like, no. And she was like, I'm not doing it on that. And I said, I'm not saying you are, mm-hmm. but I just have a boundary in my relationship right. and I don't do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just not something I do. Right. And there's a time when I would have took that number just off of the ego of I mm-hmm. can't. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, I know, but I was telling my homeboy, I was like, all of that shit, when I look back on it now, it was insane what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, because as soon as you put that number in your phone, your phone becomes a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Now you're just so nerd. What if they text me at the wrong time? What if my phone, yeah. what if she gets my phone? What if it's see? I'm a hothead, but what if it's fine? You know, yeah. and you're just like. no way to live. There's no way to fucking no. live. You're a wreck. Right. As opposed to walking in the door and not thinking about anything except i'm happy to see this yes. person let's nourish each other yeah you got it yeah you got it it took me a, it took some maturing and growing 
to get there. Yeah. But I now I see it, and now I'm like, and when I turn all this energy that I was using to cheat or to entertain even the idea, mm-hmm. and I turn that energy back into myself and right. into my partner, right. I get a better partner out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get a better relationship out of it. Yeah. Because I'm feeding and nurturing it, and it's like that's where it's at at the end of the day because I don't really like these other motherfuckers. Yeah, and I, also I don't want to hang out with them. And you, for real. you wonder, especially now that you're successful, you wonder about motives and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you go, so so me cheating isn't even physical. This is me going back to the kid who didn't feel sexy yes, yes. and didn't attract people. Yes. And now they're coming to me and you got to stop and go, oh, so I'm feeding that person. Yes. You got to yeah. put that person away. And that's exactly what it is. Like I had to put that person to bed and mm-hmm. be like, hey, like, you have to go for where I'm going because right. you you don't service me in right. any way anymore. You yeah. got me here. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it's over. Yeah, right. It was like a booster rocket. And you know what? I feel hotter. Yeah. I feel sexier. I feel mm-hmm. the energy from women. I am sexier because yeah. I'm like super chilling now. Right, right. And it's nice to feel it. You know, yeah. I sell I sell my pin. <laughs> I sell my stu- I get these right. stupid little pins I sell after the show. I'm gonna give you one. Fitz dogs are gonna give you one of the pins <laughs> after the show. <laughs> Such a hack. And uh, I sell them, and then sometimes women flirt a little bit. And you know what? That's fucking lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. And then they leave, and I go back to my hotel yeah. room and call my wife, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. You know. But when I had girlfriends, I I always cheated on my girlfriends. And so when I met my wife, first night I met her, I said to the friend who introduced us, I said. I'm going to marry your friend someday. And so... Isn't it where are you know? I knew. I said the same thing about my fiance. Did you? Yeah. No shit. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like... What's that about? Let's, not, let's unpack that because I feel like you hear it on TV, right? And you're like, bullshit. Yeah. I call it bullshit, right? right? This is TV bullshit. Mm-hmm. But then I've, I've experienced it, absolutely. You're like... And I've met several people like... Yep, I knew. And it's always like from the masculine. I will say that. It's never like a woman said it to a man, but it's like, right. it's always like masculine to feminine. Uh-huh. What is that? What, what do you think that is? You just like, yep. I think we all have a subliminal picture of that person. And I think it has to do with your parents, mm. what you saw modeled, mm. your Oedipal attraction to one of your parents and mm. how they maybe have a piece of that in them. Mm. And I think it also has to feel like you're getting a good deal. Like, <laughs> I don't deserve this. Yeah. Mm. It, 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 it has to, I think, I think, I don't know if this is the same for Dick. I'll say, yeah, I don't know. Pussy has to have an aspirational quality. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Some aspirational about it. Because that's what gets you... To like win, because you're 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 thinking that now you're worthy of going to another level, and this person's gonna help you get there. Because they're that special, yeah. And I gotta get there to satisfy that. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's somewhat aspirational. You think there's any parental stuff? Any of my Oedipal theory? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What what parent did you relate to more growing up? My mom. Yeah. Well, it's because my real my my biological father died when I was a baby, and my really step, yeah, and my stepfather was uh, I can't say he wasn't a dad. I come from a family of matriarchal women. Yeah. And I was talking about this, and if they hear this, one of them will probably 
to be very offended, my aunts. But I was talking to my cousin about this. I was like, for the most part, I could name maybe two who didn't. They've all dated passive men. Mm-hmm. Like all the men, not my uncles, but like the men that are married into my family, they're very much men you can just guide along. Yeah. They're not... They're not. I, they're not very dynamic. I hate right. to say it like that, but I don't know how else to say it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, my mom pretty much handled my stepfather. It's like, yeah. This we like. This is what you need to do. This is how you do this. I didn't really see him have a role mm-hmm. as much as I was seeing him being guided by my mother. Right. And I saw that with other uncles that were married into the family as well. Like, mm-hmm. like we know who's in charge. Right. So like in my house, there was no co-parenting my mother was in charge yeah period right and then there was this like this guy you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. right (laughs) and that's kind of how it felt and that works for your mom yeah it worked for my mom and much respect to my stepdad because he did follow me you know bring daughter take your daughter to work day Mm. and you know i had a coffee mug that i had a mug that said little dippers it said big dipper i would sit next to him and like drink my milk and i I got to feel that like I, i got to feel that but i knew the ultimate the line stopped at my mother. Right. And if I wanted to go around him, I absolutely would be like, yeah, I don't think I have to listen to that. Yeah. I'm going to go ask my mom. Right, right. And like, have you had relationships with strong women and and realized that this doesn't, this doesn't w- work in the dynamic I'm absolutely. used to? Absolutely. Hmm. I thought it would work because that's what I came from. Like, because I'm a woman still, you know? So I'm looking at them, not family. And I'm like, and that's the weird thing about like also stepping into my masculinity as an adult, right? Like this is not something that I'm born with that just I'm following through in that same way. Mm-hmm. So I thought at first, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a, I could, you know, I'm attracted to these type of women, like powerful women and da 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 da. I don't really want that. Not to say my girl ain't powerful, but I realized like my, my aunts and all of them, they never let no one take care of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. They never let no one take care of them. So I'm like, my stepdad, I never saw him taking care of her. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't look to him as an authority. I never got to see, I didn't see him taking care of shit. So he wasn't the picture of somebody he wanted to meet up with. But your mother was a foundational person that you were going to be the stronger one in the relationship. Yeah. But then you wanted somebody that was maybe different than your stepfather. I, I know I thought I did. And it says, I'm like, oh, I'm going to date a woman like my mom who can handle shit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't fucking want that. I'm that person. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, right. I don't want that. I want someone to let me take care of them. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as I complain about, I like that my girl is like a woman like that. And like, she's a Southern girl. Oh, she's yeah. like, you will open the door. I do not touch doors. Uh-huh. I do not, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's a part of what attracted me to her. Uh-huh. It's like, she's like, no, I have pussy and it's good and it's powerful. Do stuff. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And it's like, I kind of think that's dope. Yeah. You got to earn your pussy. <laughs> yeah. If it's just being handed to you, you know, you can get I, that any I night. Like take it care. Right, and I like, right. you know what I'm saying? I just didn't really have a model for it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that's the type of man I was, I guess. You right, know what I mean? Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of that child... Have you been to therapy and talked about any of this stuff? I've been to therapy. We haven't gotten to this stuff yet. You <laughs> like, haven't? Yeah, yeah. I've been to therapy yet. Well, you can come see me once a week. I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to keep you. I'm going to get to the part of the show we call Fast Dogs... 
It's time for fast fastballs with Fitz. Fastballs with Fitz, a little segment where I throw some questions. You hated at you. saying that. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I because you know what, my father was. He had a definitely. He had a Fitz dog vibe a little bit because yeah. that was back in the seventies. You know, that's how people on he the had radio talk. He had to Fitz dog it up, and uh, and I take that I take that little piece of him with me, but I'm also a guy that will go deep. You get both with me. Look at that. All right, here's what I want to ask you. These are every comedian I have on the show. I ask these same questions. Who is the worst opener you ever had on the road? Domo. <laughs> Who's Domo? Domo is another <laughs> another uh, stud or masculine center woman comic, and she's from Philly. She like lives in New York. She be like in between young, 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 young boy, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, yo, I'm gonna fucking give Domo a chance. Domo always be hanging around. I haven't seen Domo in a long time, but Domo used to always be around, hanging out at the cellar. Cool, you know? Yeah. And she knew someone like my peers. They, uh-huh. they were from Philly. They was like this Domo. They kind of gave her the like, she cool, yeah. pass. And she made me laugh, like just hanging. You know, so, you know, people just be funny and like, yeah. like, this might be a good time on the road. She got up, fucking like bombed. Like bomb, yeah. And then just was like, uh, "Y'all ain't even come here to see me anyway." <laughs> yeah. Uh, she took a dive. Sam, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just brought me up, like mm, fuck me, damn. at my own like show, right? And I was like, "This fucking sucks." Yeah. That was probably like the worst. Like, cause your job a, is to take. I don't care what kind of crowd it is. Bombing, yeah. You you try to up. build them up. Where, where it, not that you're gonna always bring them up to here, but bring them higher than when you got I on stage. I don't mind people bombing. Sure. That doesn't make me say you're a bad opener. Yeah. Seriously, it was the fact that when it was time to bring me on, she didn't like. Yeah. Go like, turn it on. <laughs> it was just like yeah, yeah. come get your people. Yeah. Right, like right. this, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. That's just like not courteous. And I was, was it just one night she was set up for, or were you then had to do the whole weekend with her? We did, that was, it was one night. It was one okay. night. It was one night. Yeah. And I, I, I immediately talked about it when I got on stage. I was like, <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> Domo? Domo. All right. Still my nigga, but. Sure. Um, bad. Have you ever saved somebody's life? Damn. Definitely once, but I feel like maybe twice. I feel like I did again before, like some crazy shit happened, but I don't mm. remember it. Yeah. But uh, this girl was drowning. I was living in Atlanta with my brother shortly after my mother died. Well, Georgia, it was outside of Atlanta in Palmetto. And um, I had friends over, like my brother had a pool and there was these neighbors and we became friends. And the girl just fucking like jumped in the pool and didn't know how to fucking swim. How old was she? she we were like, we were middle school. I just, I just started high school. Okay. So like, And she was grade. the same age. Yeah. Jumped in the fucking pool and was like drowning and I had to jump in and get her out. No shit. Yeah. Did she ever thank you? Yeah. She also tried to drown. You know when people panic, so they push yeah. you down and yeah. stuff. Right. It was a fucking mess and that kicked them out. I was like, get out of my fucking house. <laughs> Don't come to a fucking pool party if you can't swim. Don't just jump in. Yeah. What tripped me out is she confidently jumped into the pool. Yeah. And then was like, and I was just like, yeah, what right, the right. fuck is yeah. that? I think that should be a phrase like, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Don't come to a pool party if you can't swim. Live by that, people. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, what is, uh, have you ever not finished a set on stage? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Do you remember one? Um. One time I got up. I don't fully remember the conditions of like where I was or what the room. I just remember the audience wasn't there for it. They were talking. Yeah. Standing. Talking to each other. Uh-huh. And we finally got through settled. I was in my set. The guy said something to me. And I was like, basically like, shut the fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Yeah. And like, chill. And he was like, you're here to entertain me. Uh-huh. Like, I paid for you to see you. So I'll do whatever the fuck I want. And y'all keep talking type energy. Yeah. And um, what the fuck you going to do about it? The only thing you're going to do about it is keep sitting up there and telling your fucking jokes. Uh-huh. And I said, no, I'll leave oh, right shit. now. Yeah. And he was like, you can't fucking leave. And I put the mic down. Wow. And it was like my show. I was headlining. And I walked off. And this is a point where you were drawing your own crowd yeah. at this point. I was like, fuck that. Wow. Where, where's the security you know yeah, yeah. get yeah. your fucking room together right right because at that point it's like i it, call it stubbornness call it whatever you want you draw that type of line in the sand mm-hmm. and the audience isn't like you get the fuck out of here right y'all are just like watching to see who's who's right yeah well nigga i'm right yeah <laughs> right, that's right, right right yeah me yeah this, this is right yeah this is the power so right because like I, cause one, I'm not a back and forth person. Honestly, I don't do all that. Cause the show's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna allow you to make the show about you. Cause that's what you came here to do. I feel like some comedians feel like, oh, I roasted his ass. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, you played into his yeah, sick exactly. fucking hand. He's a psycho. Right. And I'm not playing games like that with right, you. Right. Right. Like, so I don't do all that. Let's yep. do it. Shit. Yeah. When I know you're really there on some, if you just say something, you know, sometimes I just gets excited, will blurt sure. out something. But if you're just really here being like contentious and yeah. shit. I'm not. I'm not here for the shits. Right. I'll literally just tell security come get you. Right. We're right. We're not doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, in that regard, it's like if the audience is allowed, like y'all are playing into this shit, then mm-hmm. I don't want to. Now I don't want to talk to none of y'all. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. Because I like I've definitely had those moments happen, and the audience is like, "You need to leave, like, bitch, you're incorrect." They police themselves. They police them fuckers in this. Yeah. Like, yeah, be humans. Right. 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 No, and that's the thing about being a comedian. It's like being a quarterback. Like Whoa. when you're on stage, you're in the pocket. You're thinking about your material, transitions. Yep. Should I be? Should I bring the mic closer? Should I be louder? Should I walk forward? And then at the same time, you know, like in the wild, you're noticing the attackers. Yeah. And and while you're doing all this thinking, there's another part the of your unsettled, brain. The unsettled, the unsettled ones. Right. The ones you know. The ones that are staring at you. And yeah, antagonizers. The ones you know want the shit. Yeah. And so and you they start, came for the shit. And then sometimes you walk away from them and play the other side of the crowd. And other times you walk right at them and you fucking eyeball them while you do your jokes. Try to back. It's so many things yeah. going on in your head. Yeah. But I, I, I know the ultimate thing I always feel is I have to protect my dream. And right. I have to protect my right, heart. Right. And I'm never going to let y'all steal that from me. Yeah. So the minute you make this feel gross. Yeah. We aren't doing this anymore yeah. because I'm not, I'm, I am not here for you and I'm not going to tap dance for nobody. Mm-hmm. So now that you've made that, the lines, I came here to have fun with y'all. Yeah. You laid these crazy lines in the sand. Right. Well, if those, that's now the game, I'm out. Yeah. That's not the game I want to play. Yeah. And feel how you want to feel. 
Say what you want to say. You could say I couldn't handle a heckler. You could yeah. say, oh, the heckler got me. You could say I'm a baby and I took my ball. Whatever mm-hmm. version of that you need to tell yourself. Right. I know what I was doing. I was protecting myself. Yep. I was protecting my art. And I, I'm not doing that. And I, the club not, didn't protect you. And I'm not turning that over to right. y'all. Right, right, Yeah. Never. Yep. I'll never do that. So no. Yeah. Now the game is over. All right. Well, and now the podcast is over. We did. I want to promote your special. I uh, can't say enough about it. It's just so authentic and funny. And you have like, like, I get embarrassed thinking about, I'm about to do a special. I got 87 topics. You got two. You have two themes that you come on and you go deep on and you explore them. You turn it around. You you get it at every angle. It's really, it's it's all very coherent and, and smart. And Thank you. Congrats. That was such a goal for this one. So mm. I really appreciate hearing that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The special is called Salute Me or Shoot Me. It's on HBO. What is it? HBO and Max? HBO is Max, isn't HBO it? HBO and Max. Okay. Because HBO Max is now a streamer. But HBO is the brand within it yes. for the high-end yes. stuff. Yes, I hate that they merged them. Such HBO is the greatest brand yes. in entertainment history. Yes, it Sopranos, was. Game it of is. Thrones. Let's say was it is. It is still. It still, still is. Succession is still putting great TV. Out. Right, and uh, also I'm embarrassed to say I always write down people's tour dates. I don't have yours in front of me. Well, I'm at Hilarities in Cleveland. Oh, that's a great club. Next Nick weekend. Costas. Uh-huh. I, this was my first time, the 13th, the 14th. Oh, and the 12th. So the 12th, the 13th, and the okay. 14th at Hilarities. Ha, ha, ha. Tickets at samj.com. Tickets at, get your tickets, samj. And then I think my next fun thing is like sometime in November. Okay. Louisville. Louisville? Laugh Laugh Louisville, 17 and 18. Oh, sure. John Tobin's club, the Boston guy. Oh, that's Tobin's club? Yep. Oh, come on, Tobe. I'm playing golf with him tomorrow. Big Tobe. The next day. Where, here? No, I'm going to Boston to do some shows. I'm doing um, Sharon and then Manchester, New Hampshire. And then Foxborough. Come on, the big borough. Um, The club they have in that thing? Right at the Foxborough Stadium, right. Was it Gillette Stadium? Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Nice to get do, to know do you. Do an old Boston commercial. That's how we'll get out. But which, which was like an old Boston, you know, like it's a Boston commercial. Commercial? Yeah. TV commercial. That's okay. Uh, don't forget, go, go down to ShopRite. Get your aisle four has got the ready whip, whipped cream. And don't forget on the way out, Sam J's got a special on HBO Max. Steve Sweeney will be there. Dawn Gavin. God rest Dick Doughty. Peace out.